0: Hey everyone, this is Gabby and Karim and you're listening to the making of an incredible MD podcast by halide to health
1: Tune in each week to hear us talk about the journey of getting into med school.
0: From GAMSAT to medical interviews, get the insider scoop from med students who have done it all before.
1: So So stay stay tuned tuned and get ready to get get med ready. ready.
0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. This is Karim and Gabby. So today we have another episode of MMI Station Breakdown where Karim and I sit down and run through a practice MMI or med interview station with you step by step but before we jump in we will do an acknowledgement of country so i would like to acknowledge the traditional and rightful owners of the land in which we are both on today that is the yoda yoda land i'd like to pay my respect to the elders past and present and recognize their connection to the water wind um, and sky and i'd like to pay my respect to the first nations people listening today (laughs) Okay, so today we have an ethics slash public health style scenario so the same structure as last time we're going to give you the scenario and the questions and give you time to pause and think about your response before we run through sort of our considerations or suggestions Um, and these are stations that we use during our mock mmi rounds so we sort of got an idea of what a strong response and a weak response looks like based from our students last time
1: Yeah, so today we're discussing uh, vaccine ethics, which is a really popular topic for (laughs) MMI stations. Um,
0: Especially uh, in the last couple of years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, obviously vaccines pose a sort of interesting ethical dilemma in that you're giving someone um, something that they might not necessarily need at the time, but could Mm. help them in the future. And so, you know, and everyone has a right to say whether or not they'd like a particular health intervention. Now
0: cause... you're giving away things. Don't say that. Yeah, no. just but anyway,
1: to... just have a think about this scenario. So you're speaking with a friend when they mentioned that they cannot get a booking for the COVID-19 Pfizer vaccine for at least two months. And she does not want to get AstraZeneca, which is available now. You are currently working as an immunisation assistant and your friend asks if you could quickly give her a Pfizer vaccine at the end of her shift because it wouldn't be that inconvenient anyway.
0: So there's the station. There's the scenario. Pause, have a think, um, do timing if you like for your uni. Two minutes reading, five minutes answering is the go-to and then we'll jump into some questions. Do-do-do, do-do-do.
1: So the first question is, uh, what would you say to your friend about their request to get an earlier vaccination appointment with you instead of waiting their turn?
0: So I think I'd start my response for this question, acknowledging the complexity of the situation, Mm. how you want to encourage your friend to get vaccinated. So you sort of want to do everything you can to ensure that, you know, her getting vaccinated is easy and convenient for her, especially because it's your job. Um, But you also want to consider the... Um, ethics of giving your friend sort of special treatment.
1: Like equal access.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because it's just as hard for everyone to get this um, vaccine. And at that time, um, you know, AstraZeneca was the only one available. We couldn't get Pfizer yet, unless you were in a specific group. So your friend might not fit into this group, so you might go, you know, against the public health regulations and law to give her this vaccine. Mm. So it's really tricky. So I think, yeah, the biggest thing for me with this question would be to consider all sides of the story, the public health, your friend and your job and your role um, Mm. in the vaccine clinic.
1: Yeah. And also just what your responsibilities are. Like, obviously you can't break the rules if there are rules in place at your work, Um, especially if this is like a source of income and it's something that you rely on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think whenever a question like this starts off with, you know, what would you say to your friend? I think examiners like to say that people are really um, empathetic and they're, like, willing to think about other people's emotions, which is really important. Mm, Um, mm. So just phrasing your answer in a way that's going to come across as empathetic and understanding is probably a really useful thing to do.
0: Yeah. So I think with that, you know, Um, asking your friend questions like, why is it that you prefer um, Pfizer over AstraZeneca? And because you are working in this, you know, vaccine clinic, you might have the knowledge and the skills to be able to educate your friend. So, you know, educating them in a really sensitive but effective manner about both vaccines as well, the pros and the cons um, and which category she fits into and and why she fits into that category as much as you can. Obviously, um, you know, don't go above what you know and outside of your realm. Um, and also you may wish to not address it because you don't have to because you're not at work at that scenario, which is fine. Um, and then just referring your friend to the um, I was going to say the internet, but probably GK. not probably to the GP. Three. Yeah, <laughs> Referring your friend to the GP or to come down to the vaccine hub and have a chat mm. to one of the doctors working there or one of the senior nurses um, to have a chat about their options there. Yeah. So just making sure you educate, sensitively, reassure and refer.
1: Mm. Especially as she might have been eligible for Pfizer, um or it's just maybe there's just no need for it to rush at that point in time, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's sort of tricky, but anyway. Um, D- you don't have to go
0: into the specifics too much, yeah, though.
1: I think you just want to keep things broad and touch on the key points. Yeah, exactly. So the next question is quite long. <laughs> 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 there have been some controversy about the COVID-19 vaccination rollout in Australia, particularly the tiers of eligibility for receiving the vaccine what would you have done differently during the vaccination rollout campaign uh, than what would you have seen in Australia during 2021?
0: Okay, have a think. Karim, do you have any particular answer for this? I think it's important here as well. Your opinion is your opinion. We're not going to tell you to say something specific in this scenario. You know, you might have some really great ideas that you'd want to bring up here. You might have no ideas, whatever. Um, it doesn't matter. We're not here to give you specific examples to write down. We're just here to give you more of an idea instruction, and, and recommendations.
1: I actually really think that the vaccine rollout... Um was done to the best of the ability of the government at the time. Like, it's really complex.
0: This is getting political. You know,
1: in some ways, like, if it gets... I don't think you should dig into the weeds of all the politics behind what happened Mm. in terms of, like, you know, getting lost of AstraZeneca doses, not enough Pfizer, whatever. Like, Mm. not Mm. the most important thing. I think the key concepts is what I would focus on, which is that vaccines should be... Or any health service at all in general, should always be most available to the people who need it the most, Mm. to those who are most vulnerable and to those who have the most benefit from it at the time, especially when it's a limited resource. Mm. Uh, There are other stations that kind of dance around this idea, like, for example, do you give a liver transplant to um, uh, an elderly person who might not get, much benefit out of it, or they're still drinking alcohol um compared to like a young person who has some sort of autoimmune disease mm. and like it is it's really tricky, but you would give the health resource to the person who would benefit from it the most um, and who might be like most vulnerable,
0: yeah, but I think it's important with this question not to dance around it is to you know give an answer um and so I think. You know, my answer would go about something like again, this is opinion based, so take this with a grain of salt. Um, but I think my yeah response would be that rural and remote communities tended to have a lack of vaccines, um, and they were sort of the last ones to get it, which may be due to their geographical location that they're less likely to get the vax uh, to get you know, COVID in those communities. However, once COVID did come through those communities, it really rampaged through those communities. So I think I would really emphasize that the importance of getting the vaccines into rural and remote communities sooner rather than later. um, And, you know, not forgetting about those communities, but also distributing the vaccines in a more informed way. So really informing people of what they're going to get put into their arm. Because I think this, you know, this vaccine hesitancy really Mm. did stem from um, lack of education, Education and awareness and, you know, just being scared because people weren't, you know, taught about what is in these vaccines and why they're important to take and things like that. So I think, you know, the two main things I would be thinking about is educating people more um, and in a more supportive and, um, you know, with an emphasis on reassurance. Um, and then the second, you know, focusing on our um, vulnerable communities in rural and remote areas.
1: Yeah, and as well... Like, Indigenous communities, I think that was something that the government did do quite well, like, giving them access early enough. Um, But also, like, older individuals who are more at risk of dying from COVID. So, I mean, Mm. I think, like, there were definitely good things about the way in which the vaccine was rolled out. And that's proven by the fact that, like, Australia has some really high vaccination rates. So, they've done something right. Yeah. Okay,
0: the next question is... There has been some controversy about the media coverage of the COVID-19 vaccine. What do you think could be done to improve the relationship between the public and the public health education providers in Australia in relation to the COVID-19 vaccination? What do you reckon, Karim?
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is a really challenging question. Um, I think there's a lot that could have been done. For example, one thing that could have been done is I noticed that... um, there wasn't much information coming out in diverse languages. So if you think about people, there's many people in Australia who are from a diverse cultural background who might not speak English. And so when information about the vaccine was being rolled out, they might not have received that information because they speak a different language. So ensuring that the media coverage included education in multiple languages is something that could have been done. And that's just one thing. Um, Ensuring that it gets to the right groups, I think, is really important as well. Mm. So, like, advertising and media coverage across multiple different media platforms. Mm. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us saw advertisements on TV, on the radio, also in social media, of course, where it's really important to uh, help reach as many groups as possible. Um, yeah
0: yeah I think that's a really good point, and making you know the media have you know their information giving in a, a more localized manner, so really targeted to you know communities in w a versus communities in Victoria are very different um you know, city-based people or city-based communities versus metro, sorry, (laughs) metro is the same as city. So metropolitan areas versus regional versus rural versus remote, they're all very different communities that care about different things. So, you know, making that more targeted. But as well, I think it just comes back to the point of education. Education wasn't done effectively. There wasn't enough of it. So ensuring that we really put this education... um, perspective on the advertising of vaccines so that people can make their own informed choices about getting vaccinations
1: hi everyone sorry to interrupt your podcast just popping in to let you know that our hello to health MMI season is just around the corner
0: This season, we have the option of both virtual and live circuits, where you can choose whether to submit your mock MMI and get feedback from an examiner at a later time, or attend the live circuits and get feedback from a real examiner who is a current medical student who's done it all before in live time.
1: If you're interested in finding out more about these great MMIs, please find links in our show notes, or otherwise, you can head to our website to get more information.
0: We'll see you at the live MMIs. And the lucky last question, if you were promoting the COVID-19 vaccination, Karim, what would you say to someone who made a social media post claiming that the COVID-19 vaccine is a government hoax?
1: Okay, so have a think about it. (laughs) Um, we get this question all the time. All the time. People the time. at the
0: vaccine clinic, because Krim and I both worked vaccinating for COVID and people would always say, not always, but, you know, there was a couple of people who said, how do I not know that there's a microchip in here? You know, or this is going to kill me. Can't you just spray it out and say that you gave it to me?
1: Yeah, which it presents its own challenging ethical mm, <laughs> dilemma. Yeah. But anyway, um... I guess with uh, this sort of scenario, what you want to consider is like where that person's coming from and what their backgrounds and beliefs are, and I think recognizing that you might not be able to change their opinion in one conversation. Um, But having an open and non-judgmental conversation is probably the most powerful thing you can do with uh, someone who's presenting with, like, doubts or vaccine vaccine hesitancy, as it's called. Mm. Um, Because if you just go straight into judging them and ignoring what their concerns are, they're much more likely to ignore you and disregard your opinion which means they're much less likely to then want to get vaccinated. Yeah. Um, So that's just something to consider. I think you'd really have to approach it in an empathetic manner and Mm. get their point of view, understand where they're coming from, and then just present them with what you've been told and what you've been educated on and what you've been learning um, as much as possible, and then refer them to speak to someone they trust. So especially...
0: Their regular GP. Regular
1: GP. Family members, mm. if they're family members. I mean, you wouldn't sort of say, oh, you should probably go talk to your family about that, but, um, you know, there's been some studies that show that if you... Your opinions are much more likely to be changed by people who are closer to you, like, really close friends and close family um, are much more likely to shape your opinions, mm. which sort of makes sense. So, like, encouraging them to talk to... People that they trust, I think, is really important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, going back to that, you know, being really non judgmental and supportive, letting them ask as many questions as they have and you answering them in, you know, to the best of your ability. I found it really hard answering, you know, is there a microchip in here? Because, you know, I've seen the ingredients and I haven't seen microchip in it, but am I really 100% sure there's not a microchip in it? I don't know. There could be. But, you know, (laughs) I think the biggest thing is letting them ask those questions, giving your answers, not lying as well. Like don't fill them with lies and, you know, promises that you can't keep. But also, you know, seeking advice from, you know, your fellow colleagues at the vaccine hub is Mm -hmm. really important. You know there were some senior nurses and doctors that worked at the vaccine hub that had better answers than I did. So yeah, I would often yeah, refer them to them and sit in with those conversations as well as I've already built a rapport with this patient. So if I can sit in with them having a chat with the senior doctor or senior nurse, um, then you know I think that that communication is better. But at the end yes. of the day, remembering it's their choice. It's yeah. their choice whether they get that vaccine Absolutely. in their arm. Yeah. So all you can do is provide them with all of the facts that you have. A safe environment to make a decision and then they can make their informed choice as to whether they're gonna walk away with the vaccine in their arm or leave it on the bench.
1: Yeah. Really well said, especially that last part about consent. Because yeah, there were plenty of times where, you know, people changed their mind and they decided, you know, I actually don't want this vaccine. Mm. Which is okay. Like that's their decision.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not let making them feel guilty about that yeah, as well. So important. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. you don't want them to have a negative experience with healthcare for like long term repercussions. Because, you know, if they have a negative experience with doctors and nurses, they might not want to go see their doctor and, you know, that can have repercussions later down the line. Mm. Um, And now we're thinking really broadly. (laughs) just sort of reaching, but, like, that's something to think about as well. Like, we don't want people to have bad experiences in healthcare as much as possible.
0: Yeah. So, that's all of our questions. But the main points from this type of scenario that we're looking for is for you to have a well-structured response Um, that shows, you know, that you have some level of understanding, not necessarily of the theoretical elements behind things. You know, you don't have to know exactly about the vaccines, the mode of actions and pros and cons of each. But, you know, um, showing that you have knowledge about, you know, the public health sphere um what's going on in the news recently even though this was sort of you know 1 year ago now so it's less relevant but still um and providing context as to why you think these things or why you think these opinions um and making sure that it's concise enough and not getting sort of overly complicated um by getting sort of bogged in on all the um n- medical side of things um
1: and just considering some of the ethics here like autonomy and access to healthcare I think that's yeah. probably the two biggest concepts For sure. Um, and just some public health stuff to be aware of as well um, yeah. aside from that that's pretty much it
0: that's it so I hope you enjoyed this episode the station breakdown style tune in for our next episode which will be a practice MMI station with a student so it'll either be Karim or myself sitting down with a student running through a practice MMI giving them feedback so check that out hope you enjoy it Thank you for listening to the Making of an Incredible MD podcast by Halide to Health. Please like, share, and subscribe to help spread the word about our podcast. And we'd love to hear your feedback. So send us an email or message on Facebook. All of our links are in the show notes. Thanks. We'll see you next time.